0: This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. Welcome. Thanks for listening. It's Tuesday, May the 5th. I'm John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast. I live in West Michigan, Grand Rapids, and my city recently announced a $13 million budget cut. Now, that's based on an expected shortfall of local income tax revenue and revenue sharing from the state. Now, these shortfalls are not a Grand Rapids only problem, it's being felt in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: Now, there's a $9 million
0: shortfall in the current budget. The city of Lexington expecting that $40 million in the next one. To the biggest city in the country, New York City. With
1: the loss of $7.4 billion in tax revenue, he
0: says the Big Apple will struggle to meet basic needs. It's being felt in small towns such as October, Alice, Texas. And for two months in a row, the city saw an average of about $70,000 less a month in sales tax revenue. In Ashland, now, Oregon. Ashland is projecting a $6 million shortfall from two of its major revenue sources and San Diego for a 250 million dollar tax revenue shortfall so some big changes are in order here now every community will feel this the reduction in these revenue streams is due to what the economy is doing to every single American and of course it's not only governments nonprofits will feel this as well so today we wanted to take a look at how these municipal budget shortfalls may impact animal services to Dallas Texas Dallas Animal Services had Texas-sized problems in 2016. A woman was fatally attacked by a pack of dogs. That led city officials to look for an answer on how to fix it. They worked with an outside consulting firm, ultimately adopting all of the recommendations made by the firm, and that included picking up more loose strayed dogs. Lots more. An estimate at the time put the number of dogs on the street at 9,000. Dallas, armed with this new direction, hired Ed Jamison. Formerly the chief animal control officer in Cleveland, Ed went to work, not only making public safety a priority, but working to increase life saving. So I sat down with Ed to understand what's happening in Dallas and how he's handling these changes. Okay, so let's get right to it, Ed. You know, we don't know ultimately how much uh, the budgets are going to be affected, right. but I do know that you. And so many cities across the country, they're dealing with this first wave of cuts. What's happening with you and Dallas Animal Services?
1: Yeah, um, it's a really rough and scary time just because of all the uncertainty. I was on a call earlier today. um, I think it was Mary Smith from Maddie's Fund who had said, you know, we're really resilient here in the animal world, but we usually know what we're dealing with and we find an answer. (laughs) This is scary because we don't know for sure what we're dealing with. But we have been instructed for a 13% budget cut. Um, on our next year's budget, which for us is about $1.9 million. That's a lot. That hurts. That, that hurts hurts a whole lot. Um, and we don't know that that's going to be it.
0: And is that 13%, is that the same that the other city departments? Is, like the, is that a citywide 13 or is that specific? Yep. Okay, so everybody has to deal with the same.
1: Yep, and, and things could go. They could say, hey, this department, more essential, whatever. Yours is 10% and we'll take 3% equivalency somewhere. We just don't know the answers to that yet, but that... The, the 1.9 million, it, it's, it's really difficult. So that that is what I was working on before I got on with you, and it's what I'll be working on afterwards. We have taken the approach, we're trying to keep everybody working. Um, I have an extremely productive team, which that's great. So I don't have to beg them to be productive to justify their jobs there. They have been working extremely hard, um, really appreciate the work that they do. And they appreciate um, the the work environment that we try to provide, as well as being able to serve people and animals at the same time on the scale that we do. Um, But with that, it's not easy for anyone when, you know, I mean, the city manager put out a memo and saying that everything is on the table. We're working really hard for everyone, but we just don't know. So. we're definitely gonna have to look at things. Things uh, some of our success was our city council resource, the city of Dallas Animal Services, so well because things have gotten so bad that um, but we're gonna have to dial things back while still trying to perform.
0: Have you ever experienced I mean, I'm sure you've experienced a budget cut. I think you were in Cleveland before, not, right?
1: Uh, a perpetual budget cut, Yes.
0: <laughs> so you've dealt with budget cuts, but not thirteen percent
1: correct. yeah. and 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 this is so unique because it's the whole country. you know, in the animal world, we usually come together and help. Hey, somebody had tornadoes. somebody had a hurricane. Um, you know, but it's the whole country. So we're all going to be sharing in this um. And I, I, we'll probably talk about this more later. I keep preaching that the, the partnerships are so much more important now. Collaboration is no longer just a word um, that the agency So My relationship with the SPCA of Texas and relationship with Operation Kindness here in, in Dallas are we know we're not going to be able to step on toes. We're not going to be able to. Um, duplicate work efforts because we're all going to have to work so hard together now to make sure that all the residents of um, the area that we serve are able to still be served.
0: Uh, Dallas, I think, uh, maybe not unique, but some of the things that you, like the mandate, the public safety, mandate to pick up strays, what's happening now?
1: It 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 is crazy because it's scared because I knew what we had to do. I knew that we weren't going to be able to, to secure, uh, again, Mary Smith getting quoted a lot here, but she always jokes, Ed Jamison's mandated to move, secure it. Um, we weren't going to be able to do that. And for multi reasons, um, our fix it ticket program is terrific. People all over the country are trying to copy that model that yes, you're getting this ticket, but this ticket is your voucher to get these services that totally free of charge um, through nonprofit private money. Well, I can't write a ticket now, because the courts aren't open. And you can't get your animal fixed, because the providers had to close their doors also to non-essential services. So there's all of these ripple effects that this is causing. Um, But yeah, our intake has dropped drastically and we've gone into the emergency only, and then we will. We're asking people to hold on to strays that they find, um, which is not the model we've been in. I pride myself on getting animals back to their owners, but we know that those animals likely live in their neighborhood. And we've had really good success following up with people that the majority of these animals are finding their their owners by keeping them in the neighborhood. but it's, it's hard. The, the thing that I had been watching was that if our dog bites jumped way up again, then I, I wasn't going to have a choice. I was going to have to go back to securing everything. And surprisingly, um, goes contrary to the narrative. It's not packs of stray loose dogs biting people in Dallas, their own dogs, whether their own dogs biting on their own property or own dogs biting in their neighborhood. So we had an uptick in owned loose dog bites last month, but it actually went, I'm sorry, in March, but it actually went down in April. I just got those numbers um, about two hours ago and glanced at it. said, holy moly, they've actually gone down, even though our field intake is down 65, 70% from what it normally is.
0: Do you think that this is going to be something that stays in that you're going to be, I suppose, not as rigid when it comes to stray animals and what needs to happen with them? in terms of bringing them to the facility?
1: I think as far as the bringing them to the facility, and we were real big on return to owner and field to to begin with, um, I think that it's certainly gonna allow us as we have to between budgets and everything, I would rather invest more in keeping them in the field um, than investing more in sheltering them. I do think it's at least gonna allow the discussion in Dallas that the intake isn't everything. It is a component. We have seen that there are some, and there's there a lot of two years ago, you and I could hop in my truck and we'd go find five loose dogs in 20 minutes. Easy. Um, that's not what it's been of late. And we don't want to go back to that. We want people to have quality of life and be able to walk to their mailbox without you know being accosted. Um, but I think it's certainly, as we break down the data, what we're seeing in this period, as we were forced into this, you know, having to modify things, to really look at everything's got to be, what's the bang for the buck here right now? So I don't see Dallas just saying that loose dogs aren't in, aren't important by any means, but in, in trying to allow us to stay creative um, on not having to impound them, I think is going to be a, a, a pretty big deal. And I, I think council is going to at least listen to the discussion on it um, based on what we're seeing in these last month and a half or so of COVID operations.
0: I mean, the, the decisions you are going to have to make are... You know, things I hate to say it, but public safety or life saving or, you know, there are going to be some difficult choices about programs that you are able to invest in that you used to and you really want to that were, in you know, that improved life outcomes that maybe you're not going to have the money for. And how the hell are you going to make those choices?
1: Yeah, that's going to be really tough because I think everyone will, will agree that public safety is number one. I think everyone gets that. But Dallas made animal well-being right there with it. So I, I don't think that they're going to be prepared to shift those and say, hey, it's okay for a bunch of animals to die in their shelter. I'm not going to be okay with that. My staff, some of them have worked for Dallas Animal Services for over 20 years. They have seen all kinds of stuff in that time, and they are happy to not be euthanizing dogs and cats all day, every day. Um, they're, they are so happy. So that's one of those things you just don't come back from. So it's hard to make promises in times like this, but I can certainly promise that we're going to do everything to make sure that we don't go back. We might not be able to be as pretty and uh, as as shiny as as we've been the last couple of years, but we're just going to have to get really creative. I can tell you that I have um, one of the best teams in the country working um, in that department. That I think that um they're they're gonna rise to the challenge that, hey, we're all gonna have to work harder here, but none of us wanna go back to killing hundred dogs a day. That that's just not that's not, not gonna be acceptable.
0: So the 13% you've been asked to do by city leadership, are you already looking to, you know, beyond that? I mean, we're I think up to 20 something million Americans that are have filed for unemployment. It, it's not gonna be the end. Uh, so we know I would think that other shortfalls are gonna happen. So are you looking beyond 13% at this point to help you inform the decisions of what the 13% rec- recommendations would be? Do you understand what I mean?
1: Yep. I I absolutely do. And that that's been one of the reasons we've been able to pivot and adjust so quickly in, in such a big organization is that we always have the backup to the backup to the backup plan and they get uglier and they get dirtier as they as they go. But we absolutely are. So, hey, look, if we have to give up this in this round, then this is what's going to have to go if it goes into the next round. And if it goes past that, this is going to be the, the next thing. Um, my plan is I'm, I want to try to maintain as much and it just might not be at the level that it was. But if you're maintaining something, you still have a chance to grow it. If you eliminate it, then it's gone. And it's really hard to start things back up when they're just gone. So, again, we didn't have a lot of fat to begin with, um, but we were looking at, all right, how could we just shrink something and maybe rely on partners, um, rely with other organizations and rely on the community to help pick up that little bit of slack that you had to trim off. And that's the approach we've been going, because if you eliminate things, um, you just don't get them back. And, it, and it's a good and it's a bad Um we try to record everything we're doing. So I I can say what every single person, the value that they bring, you you take this one kennel tech, this is what it equals in live release rate and animals cared for. You take one officer, this is what it, you know, the impact it's going to have that since we've been recording we at least have an actual value and then ultimately the city manager and city council will make the final decisions then my hopes are that they say das gave its 13 percent um let's not let the axe swing back through the other way um and try to let them keep maintaining and um hopefully they have the trust in us to do that and that we will do our part to help rebuild not just dallas but this whole country is going to have to rebuild on after this
0: I keep having these nightmares, I guess, and that may be too strong a word, but the uh, reoccurring thoughts, I guess, of what this will do to us, to a community like Dallas, what will happen to adoptions, to fostering the nonprofits in the community, their ability to meet revenue goals? I mean, what will happen to intake, your intake?
1: Yeah. No, it's tough and it's kind of multifaceted. I, I think you're going to see municipal agencies and nonprofit agencies are going to have to play nice together. If you're in the same backyard, you, you're just going to have to. I want to believe everybody is in this for the business of helping pets and people. Um, So that you're just going to have to. So it it can be either way. They're going to be an underfunded nonprofit or they're going to be an underfunded municipality in the same, you know, in the same jurisdiction that we see it all over the country. These people are right down the street from each other and they never talk to each other. That's going to have to end because they're going to have to pick and choose. You're really good at this service. You guys focus on that. We're really good at this service. We're going to focus on that. And then we'll work on the stuff that falls in between both of us. that's going to have to really happen. I really worry about the places that, um, city council has, um, put trust in me and have, have have invested and listened. There are places that animal services are looked at differently. I and mean, it, it's a shame that it, it did take tragedy in Dallas for it to reach the level that it did to, to start the rebuilding process. But there's a lot of places that aren't. The animal services are the last service thought of in the, in the community. And I'm really scared for those agencies. And pretty much across the board, everybody's been able to get animals out in the foster and hopefully they're getting them adopted from foster um, and not worried about them coming, coming back in. But I I fear that some they are going to say, well, just do what you did during COVID. Well, there's not 30 million Americans at home <laughs> once they go back to work that are able to foster, you know, all day like, like they're doing right now. Um, and so I worry about some of that, that if um, some policymakers think that the exact playbook from COVID will be able to exactly minus resources still happen. I mean, my people that were normally doing certain things in the building are doing them remotely now you know so you couldn't just say they're gone and still do what we're doing during covid they might not be cleaning a cage but they are updating animal profiles and calling and making appointments for people to come to to pick an animal up and normally that this was all done in the building
0: is there any pressure or expectation for you to bring in revenue currently?
1: Luckily, no. Yep. And again, that was another one of the things that drew me to Dallas when I saw they got rid of licensing in lieu of one-time mandatory microchipping. You don't have to call in every year with that microchip number. It's like, man, they're willing to give up the revenue component of that for a makes sense. And I think that our fifty plus percent return to owner rate showed that was the right call. It's cheaper to get those animals back to their owner for than for us to hold them through hold periods and find a new home for them.
0: In a tough economy though, do you think that there will be a shift in that thinking that you, Animal Services, will have to become a source of revenue to help make up these shortfalls?
1: We will see. I can tell you we are looking at revenue um, components. It's, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. We're looking at we don't charge anything for owner surrender right now. So we're looking at that. But there's a lot of ripple effects once you start start to do that. And we feel we we want to be taking in the animals we need to take in. We, we really want to. So we don't want to make that hard when we are the best resource for somebody is that he needs to come to the shelter. Um, I, I, licensing, I don't think is going to, going to come back in Dallas. The, the money they were spending to administer it, it, they weren't really making much money. And compliance was so low. Our compliance right now is through the roof. Um, so I don't see it on that, but I do think that they are going to look at is there any, um, they see us getting animals out faster, um, saves a lot more money than holding on to them. Um, I don't see them telling me I can't do my reduced fees adoptions, options and things, things like that. But, um, they, we certainly have to look that if there are things we were doing um, that potentially could be revenue that maybe we were doing while we were trying to rebuild, we're certainly putting anything on the table. And I'm not going to speak for council. They haven't put that pressure on yet, but we have been instructed to look at, you know, we can offset some of the budget loss if there's revenue generating that you can do.
0: Right. Um, I, and I'm not asking you to like spill the beans on what your cuts might look like. But is there a list of things that maybe would be your first look in terms of cuts? Like where are you going to be looking to cut first?
1: Yeah, no, and we did. And we really were trying to look at, they put a hiring freeze on. So we started there people that already aren't working we can't replace them anyway and we don't know if we're ever going to be able to replace them the reality is is no Because this, this is looking pretty grim so i don't know it was 16 vacancies or something that we had just gone and they were every position's important but some were really really important but it was like fine we have to have life without those positions so we we started started on that and then it gets into things like travel um I love speaking for best friends, but you guys are going to have to pay for me to come because I'm just not (laughs) there's not going to be a travel budget. And I don't think anybody's going to have travel travel budgets, Um, things like um, uniforms. And again, and that stinks because it it gets us the the officers, their professionalism and things like that, how they present themselves is important. So we're we didn't want to cut it completely, but we certainly had to cut down on some things that were cool into now what's really functional. Um, And those, they're not big ticket items when you're talking 1.9 million. But so we went through chipping through all of those kind of things. Um, We talked with the medical team that are there different types of drugs we can use for certain procedures that are not going to give any less quality of care, but that we could. And a lot of it has to do with, we were trying to utilize um, as few of controlled drugs just for recording purposes and, and handling and all of that. Um, compared to the non-controlled, and we're going to go back to some controlled drugs are actually significantly cheaper than the non-controlled. That um, So we were able to shift some of the medication type things that um, that we were doing. And I mean, you get into things like supplies, I'm looking at a listed thing, office supply, it's like $2,000. And that's nothing to shake a stick at, but compared to 1.9 million, we'll buy a few less pens um, in, in the name of all of this. Um, we are looking at, we were already pretty digital to begin with, But this is really put into hyperdrive. There's the money saving thing. But my reality is, is that to be able to open back up after COVID, I don't want these people touching pens and and clipboards and things like that. So we are getting as much digital on our app. Our D90 shelter service system is going to be coming online soon, which it couldn't be better timing for that, that people can do things from their own cell phone and complete a lot of the processes on there. And then we'll see on the efficiencies, too that that can help on some of those vacancies that, Hey, that actually equals three FTEs by not having to type all of this stuff into the computer. Um, I mean, at the very end is when we start getting into positions where people are, people are at and we just don't want to, and we'll have to look at specialty type things that are very, very important. Um, but at push come to shove, we have to respond to the calls that come in and we have to take care of the animals that come in. So if you get down to the core, it's, the, the service out in the field that we have to provide, and then the service that we have to provide inside the shelter, um, and they're right down to taking pictures is important. Those are we're getting animals out because we're getting good pictures on, you know. So we we we're trying to not have to touch any of that stuff, but it really just depends on how deep all of this goes.
0: The current budget cut, as you said, is the same across every department in the city, but you know that may not always be the case if more cuts are needed. I think there are going to be potentially decisions of where animal services stacks up, say, in importance against other city services. And I I think this is a particular concern in communities where maybe there hasn't been the buy-in to this work that you've been able to achieve.
1: It is reality. Um, Again, I've told my powers that be Get it, and yeah, we we put up decorations on our building, and there there were one-time money expenses that we did, um, but we didn't have a lot of fluff involved in there. But every single thing that we do is either public safety or life saving, and a lot of those components are both. You know, they, they they're totally hand in hand. So I was really happy to see so many animal agencies considered essential, be it by their governors, by their county leaders, by their the local leaders. I'm saying I worry about the ones that weren't. If they said you're not essential during a pandemic, what's going to happen when the pandemic is over? That that is scary. So I think that that's one bucket that at least Dallas had said from the onset that providing service to residents in the animal venue is still essential and providing service to the animals and finding positive outcomes is still essential. So we have that. And so I feel good on that sense, at least at how we're looked at in the city of Dallas, but the fear is places that didn't, that just told animal agencies to get all the animals out to foster and close down. And we'll come back in a couple of months. It's going to be harder for them to fight back. um, How important the work that they do is. And I, it goes in and again, I'm extremely lucky D- Dallas spoke to its values that on top of the public safety of things, but not killing animals that you could find placement for was one of the values that Dallas had accepted, um, and, and made forefront. So I don't see them going back on that. I can certainly see everybody's got to give every, it's important to pick up trash. It's important to fill potholes. It's important to trim trees. It, all of that. It, it is. So we're all going to have to give. And the hope is that we're able to to give. Things get tight while we try to rebound, um, but to not have to cut things out altogether. Um, and we worked hard at showing how important we were every day well before pandemic ever even came. And that that's working well for us right now. It's good that they did see and the community was involved. Um, places that weren't probably not even to their own fault—they were just so understaffed and you know working so hard weren't able to do all of the marketing and get their name out there and show all of the great work they were doing. It's going to be a harder struggle for for them coming out of this um, if they were just tucked away, not thought of much um, to begin with. Um, but I I hope that all of the unity through this, I hope that that can stay, and that's been one of the things that from the get go I said, man, there are. There are national organizations playing nice that don't normally even talk to each other. We were all speaking the same language, putting the same message out to keep confusion down. Um, You know, a lot of really brilliant people on phone calls to make sure that the message was was good. Um, I think that if that carries out, that will that will help. So if there is another DFW area city. Um, that I'm able to to at least help, whether it's talking to city leaders or prioritizing or help connecting to a resource that they just might not have never been connected to before before COVID. Um, that'll be a good thing that if we're able to connect some of those dots coming out of this.
0: I agree with you. I think everything we do from here on is an opportunity for us to do things we not only not even things we wanted to do, things we'd never even thought about, like how are we going to survive? And this idea that I have, and it may be a terrible one, but this sort of merging of resources in a way that we would never have done, never even thought of. I mean, yes, we're in a coalition. We're going to talk maybe strategically about how we're going to work, what you're going to do, what I'm going to do, so we don't step on toes. But that's going to be at a level that we would never have thought we would have to do. When you think about it, what a great way to work!
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, the, the, the call I was on with my boss, I had told her we were just running down certain certain things as assistant city manager, and I said, if we get to the point that I'm having to cut hours or take days that I'm not open, that I'm almost throwing in the towel at that point, you know. But that that'll really mean we're just flat out not able to pr- provide. So. We, we have that in mind that I, I can't, it takes people to be open, but I've been saying it ever since I've been in this business. You can't get animals out if you're not open. <laughs> um, and when I opened in Cleveland for two hours on Sunday, it ended up as like our number one positive outcome day. And that two hours that we were open on Sunday. So we're going to have to make those really, really difficult um, things. So some of the customer service stuff, um, I'm going to be leaning heavily on volunteers that, hey, am I able to depend on this that I can augment? You know, the equivalent of this staff person was doing this, they now I had to reallocate them due to budget cuts. Um, Are you able to help provide this service so that we can keep other services going? I think there's going to be a lot of that. Um, And again, I hope that municipalities can stay nimble. There's a lot of rules. We always do worry about liability. That's fine. And it's important to, to worry about that. But in the name of being creative, I think you can responsibly still be nimble municipalities are really going to have to do that. And some of the the red tape that um, some agencies have to go through, hopefully they ease some of that up. I did just see an email. I won't say from which, but it was a, a grantor thing and they're trying to help with some emergency COVID stuff. And they're like, Ed, is there any way that, the, the normal Dallas system can be faster because COVID might be over. If we have to go through the same <laughs> line. I get it. A lot of this stuff is codified. It's the law, but hopefully, you know, governments themselves are going to have to be more nimble. Forget about the animal world part, but just providing services. Um, It's going to make everybody get more streamlined.
0: So we talked to Heather Owen on episode four. She's in Chicago, and she had this great quote. I think she attributed it to Mark Peralta, a colleague here at Best Friends, who also happens to be a producer for the podcast. But the quote was basically, this work isn't about what you want to do. It's about what's needed from you. And I I just think that's so key right now, that collaboration. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're John's black cat rescue – If I have a facility with um, limited admission for black cats, you know, if the need is to use my space to like help relieve the population at DAS, then I have to look in the mirror and say, you know, maybe this is what I do now. Go to my board and say, this is what we need to be. And, you know, even on the simplest levels, it might just be better coordination of like, I don't know, Ed, like who's open when?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on on that again. and I don't have any intentions on closing my doors. Uh, that that is not my not my hopes at all. but if it was to get there and hypothetically agency, you know, X right down the road and they're in the same boat, fine, you make sure you're open on Tuesday if I'm closed on Tuesday, then at least we can point th- you know while people are looking for animals. again I hope that I don't think that's gonna happen in Dallas. But I, there are going to be communities that is going to be the case. And if they can look at it like that, that, hey, where's my partner agency at? And let's let's not both be closed on Sunday. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> if you have to close, all right, fine, I'm closed on Friday and you're closed on Monday. And, you know, we can point people to other agency on those days.
0: And what are you doing to prepare for what is expected. I think maybe some people are fearing uh, in regards to the animals that are currently out in foster homes as the stay-at-home orders are lifted.
1: Yeah, I am extremely confident that we're not going to have an influx of foster pets. There will be some that come back, um, but again, we make it very easy for those animals to get adopted and that is actually the expectation for a for foster that if they can get that sometimes there are issues with facilitating an actual meet and things like that which is fine especially not having a shelter a lot of times those would happen at the shelter but our, ours it's not it's not going to be mind you we're used to bringing in over 100 animals a day I think we have 200 animals in foster so in theory if they all came back right at this second we'd be okay we're, we prefer for that not to happen but um they are being adopted straight out of foster. Now, intake will, as certain things open, open back up, places shouldn't have a bunch, a bunch of fosters come back. That, that probably means they have all kinds of barriers to them leaving right now. They should be using this opportunity to get them into permanent homes. And they, that's one less problem they'll have to worry about when their intake starts, starts back up.
0: I'd like to thank Ed Jamison for his time. He's always willing to share his knowledge, and that's just part of what makes Ed, Ed such a great guy. Now, what's the budget forecast in your community? What are you as a municipal shelter, nonprofit rescue, foundation, what are you doing to prepare? Send us an email, podcast at bestfriends.org. That's podcast at bestfriends.org. I'd like to thank the producers of the podcast, Tawny Hammond, Amy Charlton, and Mark Peralta. Please take care of yourselves and each other and be safe. I'm John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast.